Good morning. We have time for a little Bible trivia before we get started. So I wanted to ask the question, what in the world is the longest commandment? Now, some of you might know this. Some of you might be sort of like, you know, you've got Exodus 20 memorized. You know all the Ten Commandments. Uh, You know which ones you like to break most often. And so you've got to memorize by number. You rank them a little bit differently. But I was just thinking, like, did I know what the longest commandment was? What's the one that needs the most explanation? I think this is why it's the longest one. Uh, Some of them are pretty straightforward, like do not murder. Okay, we got that one, right? Like that's easy. Like don't do that. But then there are some, even in the list of commandments that require a little bit more explanation. And, And my question is, do we know which one that is? Good morning. My name is Adam. I'm the lead pastor here. It's great to see you this morning and you made it out. You get an extra star in your crown. Uh, we don't believe works righteousness around here. We all believe in grace, but you know, you're going to get the extra star for making it this morning. So at least in my book. So let's go to the next one. We are in a series called dominion. And we have been uh, talking about reclaiming our calling to rule on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer that we prayed just a moment ago said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we've been looking at this idea of what would it be for us to rule and reign as regents of our king. Now, we don't use language like that. That's kind of old-fashioned language, but it's the idea of doing what we were told to do in Genesis chapter 1. The first commandment we were given was to be fruitful and multiply, and then the next one was, and have dominion over the earth. And we've been talking about what does that mean? What would it mean for people who are following this Jesus to be influential in the world? What would it mean if we believed there was a kingdom of love that was showing up and it was our job to expand it, to have leadership and influence in different areas, all the different areas, whether it's education or law, architecture, medicine. If you work in a place that has to do with the arts, whatever it is, what would it take for us to expand God's kingdom into that place. This is what we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks. We'll go to the next one. Uh, we started off with this idea that we were made to rule. I mean, God created us and then said, have dominion. And it's something that we have not really stepped into. We were created to rule. And for many of us, we want to, we want to rule so that we will be more peaceful. I mean, the feeling of having power and influence can be a little intoxicating. Are you with me? Because like, if I'm in charge... Then I feel like I'm going to have a little bit more peace. Why? Because everybody else is going to finally know what to do. (laughs) And if those people (laughs) just finally know what to do, then my life is going to be more peaceful. And for some of us, this is a big deal. This is why we want influence. It's not so much that we're power hungry or, you know, we're, we're supposed to rule over other people and dominate them. It's just, man, we're looking for a little bit more peace in our lives. I don't know about you, but I could use just a little more peace. And then the spirit just checked me on that. I could use a lot more peace, right? Let's not limit it. I would, I would like to have a lot more peace. Well, here's the issue. We spend so much of our life feeling rushed and overstimulated, Man, I just came through a season. I don't know about you, and I won't take the whole time, but this past semester, I, uh, I teach some classes over at OSU, and there were, uh, the, they have a contract where they give me four classes, but they didn't have any room for me in the classes I normally taught. So they said, well, you can have one that you normally teach and three brand new ones that you have to write as you go. And I was like... Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> and it was a whole season of just working. And, I, and I'm, I'm telling this story because I think you know what this is like. Just working all the time. There was no day off. I would often work till like 1130, 1230 at night. 
try to get some sleep, get back up, go again. And I'm just writing just the next day stuff. Have you ever been in that place where you're just barely scraping by? And it was an entire semester of just barely keeping ahead of the students, just barely being able to write the lectures to go in. And I've had people in my life. say, why don't you just go in there and, you know, just, you know, just talk about it. And I'm like, well, I could do that, but then there's the test. And I don't remember what I talked about. So I have to make sure that they know. So I went through this whole entire season of just feeling busy and rushed and overwhelmed. And I think that you know what those seasons are like. I think that you know that there are times in our lives where we just get overwhelmed and we put all this stuff in. And the question is, why, why do we do this? Now, there are some seasons like that. For example, people with small children, may the grace of the Lord be upon your life. Right? It's just a season and it's for a good thing. But there are some times, there are some times, we'll go to the next one. What if we fill our time, all of our time to feel like we have dominion? If I'm busy all the time, then maybe I'm important to all these different things. If I have stimulation all the time and I'm interacting with things and there's no margin at all, what if I feel like the world needs me? Have you ever experienced that where you're just running from thing to thing and I always have this chore and I always have the next thing and I'm helping people. It's not just all selfish. I'm helping people and I'm running around. I'm doing this and I have to go to the store and I have to clean and I have to. And I wonder if sometimes that onslaught of busyness and rush and never having time and always feeling like I'm pushed is a poor substitute for what dominion really is. If I don't feel like I have dominion, maybe I'll create my own little kingdom in which I am needed at every moment, in which I am important to every situation. Every, everybody needs me. I need my input. Do you see where I'm going? And I'm wondering if this is one of the biggest problems with us not having more influence in the world. We're spending all of our time building our little kingdom over here in which I'm always needed and busy. And I don't have any margin or bandwidth to step out of that and start influencing the world around me. This is a major trap. And I fall into it all the time. This next sermon is, I hope it's for you, but oh my gosh, it's for me. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I am not preaching from a place of superiority at all. I'm, I'm preaching from a place of conviction and confession this morning that I think that the Lord is moving on me. And I, and I believe others, I, I don't think it's just for me. I think that there's some others in the room that you're with me on this, that we are wanting to expand our influence in the world and see love absolutely just take residence in our city. But it's not going to happen if I'm always bouncing around like a pinball in a pinball machine, just busy all the time. What if staying busy is a sign that we actually feel powerless? We want power, but I feel powerless to really make any change. So I'll set up this little camp here. So I use legitimate busyness to excuse staying busy all the time. What happens is when I start to catch this, I start going, oh, no, no, no. Actually, actually, there's a reason for all of that stuff. No, 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 no. If I'm not there, that falls apart. No, 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 no. If I don't do that, then we don't have this. And so I am, I'm a master at this. I am a master at legitimating all kinds of things that I'm doing. Like I'm, I could get real defensive and say, oh, no, 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 no. There's, there's a reason. There's a reason. And I wonder if this morning we could all just invite those, those defense mechanisms down for just a moment just a second. And what if there's a way, what if there's a way to address this? 
instead of just feeling bad about it, right? Is there an actual way that we could begin to change? And I am suggesting absolutely 100%. Let's get rolling and see where it is. Let's go to the, the, yes, this is why this passage is so helpful. We are going to look at Genesis. We're going to start in Genesis chapter two. If you would like to follow along, you didn't have to bring a Bible. We have ushers that would love to assist you. So if you just raise your hand, they will come down and bring a Bible. We're going to be in, we use the English standard version around here just to keep us all on the same page. And we're going to be in Genesis chapter two. Now, if you've been with us for the past several weeks, you've noticed that we have read the first chapter and we read the second chapter, but there was a little bit that we left out. There was just this little tiny, this, this kind of four verses here or one through three, the three verses here um, that we're going to look at this morning. And this is actually the end of the first creation story that we have. And again, the first creation story, Genesis 1 and 2, are two, authored by two different people. Uh, but the, the people who put the Bible together felt that they were completely in harmony and felt grand putting them together. That they expand upon and they complement one of their in harmony. It's like people, two, two different notes. You've got two different notes. That gives you a choir. That gives you, a, and that's what we have here in these two stories. And so we're, we're, this Genesis chapter 2 is actually the end of the first story. So here's what we read. This is on page two in the Bibles we handed out. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work so that, that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. At the very end of this creation story, we get a principle here that God gives us. In fact, we learned that there's a word. It says that God uh, finished his work that he had done and he rested. That word rested actually means to cease, to stop. Let's go to the next one. It's Sabbath. It means to cease, desist, and rest. This is what the word Sabbath means. It means to stop. So when you practiced the Sabbath, you, you practice stopping. This is weird. Like you have to practice stopping. You ever driven a car? You ever get in a car going really well? Now, I'm going to tell a story about somebody learning to drive, and I won't give their name because I, I don't want them to be embarrassed. But I, I will just say that there is someone who's a loved one who uh, they were learning to drive, and I was in the car with them as they were learning to drive. And we were learning, uh, we were learning how to slow down to go around corners. But this particular person hadn't kind of mastered yet the slowing down part and had only mastered the turning the wheel part. And it was kind of a harrowing moment in my life because I wasn't all that old and I thought my little life is over. You know, all 11 years of it had, you know, gone before my eyes there. It was very short. And, but we made it, right? And, and I realized, I learned early on before I was learning to drive that you really do have to slow down occasionally if you're going to get around that corner. How many of you are trying to take corners and you're not slowing down? You're trying to change things. There's a shift that you want. You're going a certain way. You don't want to go that way. You want to turn, but you're not slowing anything down, and you wonder why you're skidding out. And I wonder if we could use this principle of Sabbath to help us out. It's to learn to stop, to cease, to desist, to rest, to find stillness, even here. And this is something that God does and helps us out by showing us. Now, I'm pretty sure that God doesn't need a Sabbath. I mean, that's just my theology. I'm pretty sure God's good, okay? But how many of you know that we do need moments of rest, of stopping, 
of slowing down, of ceasing, of desisting. So anytime you hear the word Sabbath, I'd like you to think of this. It means stop. So to practice the Sabbath means to practice stopping, to practice stopping. Now, why? Why does God put this here? Why is this the end of this creation story? What is, what is there for us? Let's go to the next one. Why is Sabbath important for having dominion? If we're going to have dominion, if we're going to rule and reign and have influence and expand God's kingdom of love, why would we need to stop? Wouldn't, we, wouldn't you just want to keep going? I mean, think about that, right? I mean, we got, some, we got a job to do. So let's get out there and work hard right? Let's get out there and rally the troops and move forward. Why is it that we need to stop? Let's go to the next one. In Exodus chapter 20, we are going to find out why. This Exodus chapter 20 is going to be on page 61, page 61 in the Bibles we handed out. This is a list of the 10 commandments. It's the first list that we have. And the Ten Commandments, for those of you who are new to the story, are ten instructions. It, it's not actually the word commandment. It's, the word is actually saying, ten sayings or ten words that were given. And they were given to the people who had just come out of slavery. They had been enslaved in Egypt, and they were coming out of slavery, and they were going into the promised land. So basically, you have an entire culture that doesn't have its own law set. It doesn't have its own, its own regulations. They have not been ruling themselves. And so God gives them a set of laws to help them as they move forward. Now, of all of them that we have here, the longest one, now think about this, the one that needs the most explanation is the one about ceasing. That should tell us something about human nature. It's really straightforward. Don't kill someone, okay? Don't cheat on your spouse, okay? But when it comes to Sabbath... We don't actually go, oh, no, 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 why would I need that? I'm fine. I'm good. I'm fine. I don't need any explanation. So what do we learn? Let's look at verses 8 through 11. Remember the ceasing day, the Sabbath day. Remember the stopping day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a, is a stopping, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, the immigrant. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. To make something holy means to set it apart. To sanctify something, or if something has sanctity, it means that it's set apart. It's not the thing you use daily. So, for example, some of you, uh, you have the special china, and you only get it out at special occasions. And then sometimes, you know, it's like if you're going to eat uh, Cheerios, you might use the plastic bowl. But when family comes over, you get out the nice china. You know what I'm trying to say? And so what happens is God's saying, look, Monday through Saturday, or, you know, uh, uh, yes, uh, Saturday, Sunday through uh, Friday is going to be, those are, those are work days for you. The first day of the week all the way through. But when you get to the end, I want you to get out the fine china. I want you to have a meal that's slow enough that you need to have the nice plate set out. This is going to be helpful for you. Why is that? Let's go to this. This is sacred. Sabbath carves out the space for the sacred. I don't know if you're like me, but I have this, this movement in my spirit that wants to see everything as sacred, that wants to see everyone as made in God's image, 
that wants to see all the good I can in any art that I encounter. If I see a movie in the theater and I think, oh, there's a redemptive theme, I like to think, wow, that's God's at work there. They, they are highlighting something good that God created. Are, is anybody, are you with me on that one? Like, I like to, to catch this everywhere. Here's the only problem with that approach to life. It's a good approach to life. It's one that I adopt. But there is, there is a danger to it. Here's the danger. If everything is holy, nothing is holy. What do I mean by that? Let me give you an example. This is one from from my classes. So one of the classes I teach is on stratification or inequality in society. And I try to help students understand that there's different dimensions to this. One of them is income. So this is an easy one to measure. If I say, okay, uh, so-and-so makes this, you know, much money a year and -and so-and-so makes this much money a year, I can measure the distance between those two things. It's kind of an objective measure. One person makes $100,000 and one person makes $25,000 a year. And I see there's $75,000 difference. That's the gap between the people at the top and the people at the bottom. And I always ask students, what would happen if everybody made exactly the same amount of money? Let's say everybody makes $50,000 a year. And they think, and I say, well, well, what would they actually do? And they start saying, well, uh, you know, I guess if, you know, I guess everyone could afford the same stuff. I say, exactly. Everybody could afford the same stuff. That's the main change that would happen if everybody made the same amount of money is everybody could afford. to. Now, they would maybe invest it differently. Maybe some would spend it on vacations or whatever, but everybody would have the same amount of money. It's an objective measure. I said, now, let's think about this. Income is one way to measure inequality, but another way to measure inequality is status. Okay, what's status? I said, well, status is not exactly objective. Status is much more subjective. If somebody has higher status, let's say uh, a rabbi walks in the room today. And all of us would probably see that rabbi and we would say, oh, nice to have you this morning. We're, we're, you're welcome here. Please, you know, have a seat. Who are you? You know, where do you go? I mean, like we would be very pleasant to them and, and give them lots of, lots of friendliness. But if a, a rabbi walks into a synagogue There's a different level of status for that rabbi. The rabbi is seen as having more status, right? Because that the community gives the rabbi the status. Status requires a community of recognition. Without the community of recognition, you don't have status. With income, it doesn't matter if you have a community of recognition. Everybody's making the same amount of money. But if you have status, you need a community of recognition. Are you with me so far? Now, here's the thing. What if everybody in the room had the same exact amount of status? What happens to the status? No one has status. Do you see how that works? If I have income over here and everybody has the same amount of income, the only difference is people can afford what they want. But with status, if everybody has the same amount of status, everyone's treated exactly the same and nobody has any status. Now, why am I saying that? Why am I, some of you like, seriously, he is teaching sociology 101. Oh my gosh, we have left the building. Why am I saying this? Because with holiness, holiness works the same way. If every book is exactly as holy as the Bible, then the Bible is not, doesn't have any sort of status as far as shaping our faith. Because it could be this book, it could be any book. If every day is just as holy, then no day actually is holy. 
Sabbath is what we use to carve out space for the holiness in our life to be present. Because if we don't do that, then you just go going every day and every day feels the same. There is no rhythm to life. There is no change. One day is running into the next and we wonder why we're so busy enough. It's because we've not practiced stopping. When you practice stopping and you carve out, what you're doing is you're actually creating space for that thing to come alive. There's a reason when women get pregnant, they have to create a space for that new life to come. If they stayed exactly the same shape, there would be no place for that life to grow. But here, what we are seeing is if you want the holiness, the sanctity to be pregnant in your life, you want to have God's life coming in through you, you're going to have to make space for it. Because if not, then every day is just as holy as the next. And some of us have an idea of holiness. When we wake up, it, you know, if we practice a Sabbath, we think, well, Sunday. Sunday is the day that, you know, we, we worship and we, we come to church. And that feels like the holy thing. That's not the holy thing. The holy thing is the stopping part. The holy thing is the making room. The holy thing is recognizing the world will go on without me. I am not actually the king of kings. I'm just a king. I'm just a king. I'm not the king of kings. And this world can go on without me. How many of you know that we need to have people with dominion and humility at the same time? And this, this Sabbath is the practice to get that to happen. And we can talk a good game, but until we start practicing stopping, there's no room for holiness if you're in your life. I'm wondering if you are feeling distant from God this morning. By the way, in this room, there is absolutely zero condemnation for that. But if you are feeling distant, the first thing I always ask people when they come to me and I say, I just don't feel God. I just don't feel close. First thing I ask them is, how's your stopping? You trying to take the corner without slowing down? Are you creating space, space for silence and openness and nothingness and just being it's hard to get connected with another being if we don't feel like being ourselves. If we feel like human doings and not human beings, then we're going to have a hard time connecting with the source. Are you with me? Now, here's a question. Does Sabbath have effects beyond personal growth? Because that was all about us personally. But if this kingdom is about expanding and seeing God's realm move out in the world, the question is, is, is there more? This is good but is preparing us for something. Does Sabbath also have social ramifications? Yes, it does. Here's our last passage for the day. We're going to look at Deuteronomy. I'm not, no, I'm not going to preach the whole Bible, I promise. We're just, just three passages this morning. I know some of you are like, seriously, he's going to do it someday. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy is the next book. And we're going to be on, in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And so that will be on page 150 in the Bibles that we handed out. And here's our last one. Let's read 12 through 15. This is another version of the Ten Commandments. This is another, it's sort of a recapitulation, a relisting of all these Ten Commandments. Now listen to the difference that you hear in the way this is explained. We've got the same commandment, but a different explanation is given. It says, observe the stopping day, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a stopping or a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. 
you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. In Deuteronomy, what we are told is the reason that they have a Sabbath day is because there is actual human labor going on. And they need to remember when they were slaves, they were not given a day off. There was no consideration of laborers. There was no consideration of workers. There was no consideration of those who were building wealth for other people that they should not be taken advantage of. And what you have here in the Ten Commandments, in like the ten biggies, right? Like what, what are the instructions of the Bible? This is the first place we go. Okay, here's the ten that we all, let's just start here. And this idea of stopping or ceasing has everything to do with the people in our world who are laboring under the pressure of all of this creation of wealth in our society is that they not be taken advantage of. The reason that we have laws like this is to make sure that there is justice in our world. How many of you know that our economic system can begin to chew people up and spit them out? If we are not careful, what can happen is we can be so interested in expanding our little kingdoms that we start taking advantage of other people and we just begin to grind them and use their labor power and not actually consider them as human beings. How do we recognize the human Humanity of other people who are working and laboring. It's by the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the way that we see justice begin to roll out in this society. God says, remember, there was a time when you were enslaved. There was a time when you were being taken advantage of. And we want to make sure that you do not do that to anybody else. And so we are going to put this rule of ceasing and stopping. What is this? This is justice rolling right from the beginning. As soon as they get out of the land, the Lord says, make sure that you take a Sabbath. And we're even said, and your servants are even to have this Sabbath. Are you kidding me? Servants have the Sabbath? Yes. Here is the first click forward and recognizing that we need to actually release people from servitude. That comes later. It comes later. It takes a while. I wish it was faster. I wish it was earlier, I have to say. But for whatever reason, in in God's good timing, God said this is our first click forward. And if you would recognize the laborers among you as having as much humanity as you do and deserving of the same rest, why? Because they are also expanding God's kingdom. This command is not just for personal growth. It's It's about justice. Justice, Sabbath protects us from exploitation. It protects us from being exploited, and it also protects us from exploiting. How many of you know that we are usually you know, more focused on one side or the other? But what Sabbath does is it keeps us from being exploited, and then it keeps us from exploiting. Because some of us remember what it's like to work in difficult situations, but then when we get a little bit of power, we tend to forget that. We tend to forget what that was like. And the Sabbath reminds us and keeps the square and center into this kingdom. So what kind of dominion are we going to have? We're going to have dominion that stops, it ceases, and recognizes the humanity of ourselves and other people. That's the kind of expansion that we're looking for. That's the kind of kingdom that we want to live in. Let's go to the next one. What is the single most important key for keeping the Sabbath in our modern world? How many of you know that if everybody would live by the Ten Commandments, our society would be different? Okay, I'm the only one. Okay, so some, I'll try it over here. How many of you know that if we would all live by the Ten Commandments, society would be slightly different? There would be no murder. There would be no taking advantage of other people. There would be, a lot of things would change. There wouldn't be lying in court. Wow, that one alone would just solve everything, right? 
That one just, let's all just pause. Yep, that'd be a good one. All right, now, here's the deal. In societies that everybody keeps the Sabbath, this is easier to do. Okay. It's, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's perfect and it's in, you know, you could still have a society that everybody took a Sabbath and you could still be busy inside running around, taking care of everything, but it would be easier than it is now. In other words, it's even harder. So think about how hard it is then. Cause you, everyone's, you know, taking the day off, but you could still be busy inside. But now what if you're still busy inside and not everyone's taking the day off? Now you have a double layer of trying to keep this commandment. You have a double layer of trying to create space for the holy. Do you see why it's so hard to connect with the holy in our modern society? It's because we don't have any space for it. And so what is the main key? What do we have to do? If you want to begin practicing the Sabbath, where do you start? What is it? What is the main key that you could have that would change everything? And if you put this one thing into practice, you would start seeing shifts immediately. This one thing, when I put this into practice, my life changes. When I actually do this, my life begins to shift and, and I feel the ramifications all the way through my work. I'm a different person when I show up. So when I show up to a meeting for church or we're, we're having something, I'm a different person. I show up in a different place and I'm more centered and ready to go if I do this one thing. And this is the thing that's the hardest for us to do in this modern society. Here it is. We have to create our own finish lines. It used to be that there was a finish line for us. When you're running a race, you would know I get to this particular time and then I'm done. And those, those were there for you. It's sort of like if you're running around a track, if you have a race, they put a ticker tape up, they put a line up that you can run through and you find, you know, I made it across the finish line. But in our modern world, those lines have been taken away. They are not there for you anymore. You actually have to figure out where you need your line to be, and you have to put it there, and it's a sacred thing. I'm on this side of the line. It's daily work. I get on that side of the line, and now we are stopping. We are ceasing. We are just being. We are taking time off. I'm going to try to make things uh, so that I don't have to do a lot of work on that day. If I need to go to the store, I'm going to try to go to the store on a different day. Do you see what I'm trying to say? If I, what am I going to do? I, I'm going to try to spend time with my family. Am I allowed to go anywhere? Well, let's not get legalistic. We can go where we want, but it's more about the pace at which you do that thing. Do you have finish lines in your day and in your week? If I was to look at your calendar and you were to show me what your finish lines are, would I be able to say, oh, I know exactly when they're not working. They have it written down. This is my finish line. Here's where I'm not working. Here's where I'm carving out space for the sacred. Would I be able to see that? And I'm wondering, sometimes we're like, this is it's so hard. I don't feel God. I'm wondering if actually it's sometimes this step can be fairly simple. If we would just, how many of you know, simple is not the same thing as simplistic, <laughs> right? Simple to understand, quite difficult to do. We have to create our own finish lines to say, I am not going to do work here. So for example, for me that day, the only day that I have truly off is Saturday. And I tried to do nothing on Saturday. I, I rarely will look at email. I stay off social media. I try to stay off social media most of the time, but I really stay off social media. I don't sermon prep. I don't grade papers. I don't do anything. I just loaf and it is sacred 
and I don't do it. So if we have an event that's on Saturday, I have to find another day to take off because I have to have a finish line. And some of us, we need to have a finish line daily. It's like, where's our daily finish line? Where we're like, when this is done, this is done. And for those of you who clock out, you've got a finish line, but maybe you go home and there's a whole bunch of stuff to do. Where's your finish line on, on that day? Where's your finish line in the week? This is what we need to do. Now, here's a question. If we don't, what if we don't do this? What if we don't have a finish line? We will settle for business instead of domination, uh, dominion, into having dominion. If we, if we don't set that line, we'll settle for one instead of having the other. This is the main key about why most of us are not experiencing more influence in our life. We're like, but no, no, no. I'm talking about being influential over here, over here in this space. I want to be influential here. And I'm going, hey, where's your finish line? Where's your stopping line over here? And you're like, no, 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 over here. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, actually it's over here. This is the reason. These are much more connected than you think. Okay. That's what's going to happen. If we don't, you'll just settle for business and you'll go, your, your week will just be, Oh, I'm needed everywhere. I'm important everywhere. Having no real dominion or influence. But what if you do, what if you do, if we do, we can have both influence and here it is peacefulness. Some of us were like, I don't know if I want dominion because that's going to make my life even more complex. I don't know if I want the added responsibility because with added responsibility becomes more all of this busyness, which is why we need Sabbath even more. Every level of influence you gain makes Sabbath even more important than it was before. And it's, it's harder to do at every level that you go forward in your life. Every new level, Sabbath is even more important. This is why it's the longest commandment. It takes the most explanation because the other ones are pretty straight away. But why do I have to stop? Why do I have to cease? This is why. So here it is, our big idea. Sabbath stops us from confusing busyness for dominion. Sabbath stops us from com- this confusion that we have. How many of you know that this is possible, that you can do this, that this has the opportunity to change the tone of your daily existence? If you are walking around and you are struggling and you are constantly busy and harried and worried and this Sabbath, this ceasing and stopping is the cure. It is the way to begin changing this, and you can do it. I am looking forward to us as a congregation beginning, like, to have it as a value that we all begin practicing Sabbath, that we start setting our finish lines, that that we begin talking about how I did nothing yesterday, and it was great. Some of you, how many of you know you've tried to do nothing? I'm just getting the sense that there's somebody in here that you've tried to do nothing before and you almost cannot stand it. It feels like it feels horrible because there are things that you should, and your mind is just running the whole time and you've never actually had a Sabbath. And you're like, that sounds frightening. You mean I have to do all this stuff and sit there and worry about it. You mean you're building in extra worry time, (laughs) right? Okay. So what's happening is in that moment, you're getting, this is meditative because you're, you're recognizing your mind is what is keeping you busy instead of having dominion because you still feel like everything's depending on you. Everything has to have your input all the time. And Sabbath helps us recognize, no, it does not. No, it does not. Why is the first commandment not to have any gods before God? so that I don't feel like I'm in charge of everything. And the Sabbath is keeping that. So if that's you, if that's you, then this next time when you put your, your finish line in, just take a minute 
and check in and say, now mind, I know what you're going to tell me. You, it's, I actually just speak to it. Some of us are like, well, that's weird. Okay, look, it, look, look, you're doing everything normal and it's not working for you. So why don't you try weird? Are you with, you see what I'm trying to say? Okay. So, so try weird and just say, mind, I'm thanking you because you are making sure you have gotten me to this place. You have done such a good job of making sure that I get everything done. You're actually concerned about me and wanting to make sure that I don't let anything drop. So I'm, I'm thanking you. You're not bad. You're just not allowed to drive the car. You can be in the back seat, but you can't drive. And right now what we're going to do is we're going to press the brake and we're going to slow down and we're going to enjoy for a minute and we'll be right back to you and you'll be able to do your superpower and make sure that everything gets done. But for right now, I need to just feel and be and just luxuriate in the, in the not having anything to do. And then we'll be right back. And here's the thing and, t- and tell your mind and you will be happier when I do that. You will be happier when I do that. I wonder if, if some of us would just take a minute and actually speak. Your words are so powerful. If we would actually speak to our minds and tell it that, that we would experience an unbelievable amount of peace would come over us and we would create the space for the sacred and we would be so much more centered, so much more ready to go. And this is what is required if we're going to ever have dominion. How many of you know, if we talked about dominion all the time, but we had a bunch of people with their hairs on fire all the time, running around, trying to influence everything, they're just going to make more people with their hair on fire, right? Do you see what I'm trying to say? That's not dominion. That's spreading a virus. And we don't have any time for that. So this morning, I'm just inviting you this week, this week, where's your finish line? Where's your finish line? Where are you putting it? It's for you. Sabbath stops us from confusing busyness for dominion. Let's go to the next one. Here's our uh, declaration. Here's what we're going to say out loud this morning. We're just going to put kind of a, a, an exclamation point on the end of this sentence. And, and I'll read it, and then we are going to say it together. It says, I was made to rule, but I spend so much of my life feeling rushed and overstimulated. I understand that the solution is to carve out space for the sacred. And so I ask for God's help in setting my own finish lines. I will keep the Sabbath. Amen. Pretty straight ahead, pretty simple, right? So let's say this. If you are actually ready to keep Sabbath and you're like, I'm in a season of busyness. Last semester, there was no place, there was no place for it. In other words, I would have lost my job. Some of us are in situations where if I took a whole day, hey, if I took a whole day off, they'd, they'd fire me, okay, because I wouldn't be ready for class. So we understand there's no, there's no uh, condemnation. If, if that's you and you're in a season like that, then the question is, okay, where can you set a finish line in your day? Can you find 10 minutes? Can you find 10 minutes to just unplug even in that day? If you're in that kind of season, okay, but don't try to get yourself out of it. You're like, no, 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 I'm too busy right? I can't actually take a full day off unless your job's at stake. Okay. Or something else is going on like that. If you could find that time, where would it be? Could you set those finish lines? So let's say this as a declaration that we're going to move forward. Here it is. I was made to rule, but I spend so much of my life feeling rushed and overstimulated. I understand that the solution is to carve out space for the sacred. And so I ask for God's help in setting my own finish lines. I will keep the Sabbath. Amen. Let's pray. God, who is love, we thank you so much for this command, this instruction, this saying, this word to us. Because, and I just confess, I have this tendency to just be so busy all the time. 
And I recognize that stealing from the inheritance you want me to have. That is making it harder for me to have what I actually want, which is the influence you're trying to give me. So Lord, we together confess that that is our path. That is our, where we've been going. But we now, Lord, are asking for your help, your assistance. Please don't leave us alone as if we have to do this by ourselves. We are needing your strength to find our own finish lines. So I pray that you would speak to each one of us individually. Help us to see where that line needs to be. Give us good discernment, Lord, so that we can know where is it? Is it that full day? Are we, are we ready for that? To really take that full day off and unplug fully so that we can remember to create the space for the sacred. Maybe it's that we can begin practicing that because for us, it's a movement into justice in our world. Lord, we want to see so much justice. We're, we want to fight the marginalization. We want to fight all of the injustice but we ourselves are not practicing the thing you said brings justice. So if that's the case, Lord, help us do that. And I pray, Lord, as we, as this congregation begins to practice Sabbath, that you would expand our dominion. You would expand our influence beyond these walls such that there would be a ceasing, a stopping that would become a value in this neighborhood, in this city, the state, nation, and around the world, Lord, that we would be a part of this chorus of people who are recognizing that ceasing is holy. We thank you for it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If those who are serving communion would come down this morning, we are going to pause, stop, cease everything that we're doing for this meal that we're about to have. This meal that we are eating today is, is a sacred meal. It's different than every other meal. Is every other meal sacred? Yes. I tend to see when I sit down with people, hey, I'm in the presence of brothers and sisters and this food is sacred and these people are sacred and this time is sacred. And I believe that. And I also believe that there is a meal that is holy and sacred to remind us that everyone is. And this meal is that meal. So we are going to pause just for a moment and we are going to uh, take in this body and this blood, this, this bread and this cup to remember Jesus who showed us what it was like, who, who told us, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I will read the, this passage that we have this morning to remind us what this meal is really all about. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So everybody is invited to the table this morning. Absolutely everyone. This is, this is your moment to say yes to Jesus, that we are followers of this Christ and if you want to participate, you are more than welcome. We'll have an usher come down and uh, uh, dismiss your aisle. The bread is gluten-free and the cup is now an alcoholic so that all of us can uh, participate together. So let's pray. God, who is love, we thank you so much for this moment of, of just peacefulness now as we get ready for this meal. 
Lord, if we are feeling any, any sort of condemnation at all for whether it's not keeping the Sabbath, not having finished lines, feeling so important, uh, working at, on the injustice in our world, whatever it is, Lord, in these moments, as we bring all those feelings and concerns to you, would you remind us that there is always grace and forgiveness for us? Lord, there is, it is always there, always coming to us. So help us to experience that now in this moment. Lord, as we eat, as we drink, may we recognize the importance of holy things, of sacred things, so that we can go out and see you at work everywhere that we encounter people and events. We thank you for it. Now, would you bless this bread and bless the cup? May we experience your real presence in eating and drinking together. In your name we pray. Amen. As Matt continues to play, I'm going to pray over us that we would experience Sabbath this week. I invite you to open yourself up to this prayer. We're going to invite God to come in in a way maybe that we have been resistant. Some of us have actually not wanted to practice Sabbath because we're afraid of the intimacy that comes with being still and knowing that God is God. But we don't have to be afraid of that. So we're going to pray against that fear and we're going to tell it it needs to go away. So in Jesus' name, we speak to any fear that would come into our lives right now, and we tell it to go, to to be evacuated from our lives and our minds. And in its place, we invite wholeness and peacefulness. We invite in God's presence that is always loving and always caring and always has grace for us. And right now, we as a group determine that we are going to set finish lines in our lives, that we are not going to be bullied by the world system that would try to keep us busy at every moment. Instead, we are going to step forward. We are going to take control and command and dominion of our lives, and we are going to put in finish lines so that when we step across... We begin to step into a threshold of holiness and sacred longing for the one who gives us life. In that place, may we have breath that is open. May we have eyes to see that God is good. May we know that we are held and kept. May we know that we don't have to make everything turn out right, but that we can rely on God because God's promises do not fail us. May we begin to recognize the goodness is always there. May we step into this place of ceasing, of stopping, of Sabbath and may it become a value deep in our bones that we walk through this world understanding that we can have all the peace that God makes available to us as we make room for it. And Lord, I pray for your help and your Holy Spirit to walk aside alongside of us, that you are called the paraclete, the one who is called to walk aside of us. And we pray, Lord, that we would sense you there, leading us into this place, into the season of Sabbath, Lord God. Help us when we are tempted to move backwards, help us to move forward and to see that in this space of rest, that you are there to meet with us. We ask that any condemnation at all would just be removed from this experience of Sabbath and that we would rest in your goodness. And we thank you for it, Lord, that we are not left alone in this space. In your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. And now we are about to hear some opportunities. If you'd like to keep this experience going through the week and throughout the month, how can we do that? We're going to hear from Siobhan. Thank you so much for coming this morning. If you're able and willing, please stand for a closing blessing. We call the benediction. 
Thanks so much for being here this morning. I was thinking this week of how many sermons that I've sit through in my life. It's, it's a lot, folks. I grew up in church. Some of you are like that. And I was thinking, you know, every time I would show up, I was just hoping. I knew not every week was going to be like you know, gangbusters. I knew that, but I was showing up hoping that someone had spent a little time with the Lord, had a word, and it would be something that could, could move me forward a, even a little bit. And so I thought about you who I thought about the people who were going to be here this morning. And I thought, I want to make sure that I bring something that could actually move things forward. And I hope you experienced that. I was trying to, to give you my best because I care about you. And I was thinking about you this week. So as we leave, here's the blessing for us. Move United Church, may you go from this place setting your own deadlines. May you know that busyness is no substitute for having actual dominion and influence in this world. May you be released from any condemnation and instead find places to carve out the sacred as you practice ceasing and stopping. And may your life be filled to the brim, absolutely pressed down, shaken together and running over with God's spirit. Peace be with you.